I thought like, oh man, I must not really be a Christian because I'm suffering or I'm struggling. I think the point of the book of Revelation is to encourage endurance in the midst of difficulty and suffering. If you were part of the crew, like Jesus was going to come back and we were going to go to like, this is, this is not what um, walking with Jesus through tribulation looks like. Nope, he's good. I'm not going to say anything about it. I'm sure it's it's his plan. God works all things together. He's like, God, God, <laughs> just kill me. Yeah. Hey, everybody. It is behind the sermon, underneath the sermon, peel back the garbage and see what's underneath the words we said on Sunday. <laughs> Hopefully we say something that is meaningful, maybe. Daniel, what do you think? We say meaningful things on Sundays? We try. We try. We try. So, um, yeah, what episode is this? Seven? Seventeen hundred? Uh, episode seven. Uh, hopefully, if this is helping you guys, we only have one question this time. I thought we'd hit that first, uh, and then we'll say things that uh, maybe aren't important. Who knows? Okay, we have a here's a question that came in, and it's it's good because I think it um, hits on some of the whatever thirty thousand foot view stuff of how we maybe are looking at the book from an interpretive lens. Um, so uh, one of our attenders asked, um, "Are you teaching when it comes to the tribulation that the church will be here, that we're going to be on the earth?" Uh, I've always understood, and I'll say with you, um, the person who asked this question, um, me too, that we would be, yeah, yeah, we're out of here. This is, we don't have to go through it. And so what are we teaching, Carl? Are we teaching that we're going to be here? And why, if we are, why have you changed it? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> no, and the reason I say that is because um, let me just let me preface with we started the whole sermon by saying that the past two hundred years has been um, if there are three, five, six different ways to view. Um, I think three's a fair one to kind of keep. I don't know, keep ourselves like not so confused. Um, past, future, meaning everything's future, speculative. Past, these things only apply to what happened in the past. So then when somebody's talking about the beast, they're actually probably meaning Nero or one of the other Caesars of the time. Mm -hmm. um, whereas the futurist would say, no, the beast has to do with somebody else or it's the Antichrist in the future. It's going to be the leader of said nation. We And then kind of a, an idealist view would be one that sits somewhere in the middle and doesn't negate either of them, but tries to pull from both. And so the question probably stems from more of a, and, and you're right on to say, this is what I was taught. This is what I've heard. I did. I heard it too. Um, my whole life was rapture. We're out yeah. of here and yeah, we're going to be saved from that. So Carl, if you, you want to answer that question, just kind of give your, give your take on that. Are we, what are we teaching? Where are we landing right. as far as the pastoral team anyway? Yeah, no, that's good. I also, um, like I was kind of in and out of the church growing up, but I was. What were in, you doing? I was, uh, <laughs> you know, sinning. Because <laughs> gotcha. we I don't was, ever sin if once we get in the church. No, no. Once I was in, like I haven't sinned since then. There, I, that's that's what we teach. No, we <laughs> oh, do no. not. We do not. No, we don't. Yeah. No, please. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I was kind of in and out. Um, 
you know, parents would bring me along. So I'd, I'd listen enough to kind of like pick up on these broad stroke ideas that I think most Americans understand. Mm -hmm. And one of them, and it's funny that this is one of them that I picked up on, but I had this view that like, if you were part of the crew, like Jesus was going to come back and we were going to go. Yeah. I was counting (laughs) on it. Like I I had that picture in my head. I don't remember a sermon that planted that in my head. I don't remember a conversation, Mm -hmm. but that was just like, that was in there. Yeah. Um, But I, to answer the question, like pretty directly, I would say, I I feel like um, just the way that we're approaching this and looking at it instead of just like a past or future thing I'd say yes, like the church is a big part of that. Yeah. And a big part of God's plan during that time. Okay. Um so Daniel, then why don't you give some qualifiers on the great tribulation versus tribulation. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, in the beginning of Revelation, John says, I'm a fellow participant in tribulation. Right. And so it really does kind of um, you know, it shifts the 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 thinking that you know, church. the church doesn't experience tribulation, and thankfully Jesus is going to help us avoid all of that. Mm-hmm. In fact, when you read through the book of Revelation, you see that there's kind of a lot of, and, and I think the point of the book of Revelation is to encourage endurance in the midst of difficulty and suffering, right. and and so <clears throat> there's certainly that. And I think we also hold to, there could be and likely will be, you know, a a, a future reality that maybe it does ramp up. Maybe there is yeah. a greater level um, as things come to kind of the end in the day of the Lord when he comes and makes everything mm-hmm. right. Um, <clears throat> but also I think we try to hold that loosely as well. Right. So, yeah. And I would say also the probably the danger of landing on one or the other to yeah. say, well, we all go through tribulation. Right. Um, means you could minimize potentially the things that the Lord is doing towards the end, yeah. Um, but also to put it all in the future on a great tribulation, and man, at least we're going to be out of here, I think there would be um, nations around the world and Christians in those nations right now that would be saying, um, <laughs> yeah. hey, we're really yeah. under it right now. And so it's, it's another distinction, um, and I think it's a good corrective that this is a very Western um, line of thinking yeah that we're in this mode of yeah man we're we're gonna be safe and we're gonna be out of this and then the rest of the world is experiencing something different but i i I think we would say what's the message then if you can't figure it out is it going to be this great thing or is it something that happens in all times i think my the lingo i've kind of been having saying in my head is it and i said this in other podcasts but it's what was happening definitely for the church uh, those churches in Revelation that were addressed at the beginning, and they continue to be the audience, um, but then it's carried into the future to other churches, and so it's what was, it's what is happening now, and I think then I would put a qualifier to say, and it's probably going to be ramped up to a level that we would say, man, this is too much mm-hmm. in the future, and we don't know exactly. So then you go back to, so what my response should be now is just to be faithful to Jesus and to, if I'm in the middle of something difficult, not to say he must have abandoned me or I must be doing something wrong, but to say, okay, there's something here to learn. Um, and let me just, let me throw another question. Cause I've been thinking about this a lot and talking with a few friends and family about this, Carl, uh, when we think about going through something suffering, 
Mm -hmm. um, how has your view on a theology, um, and when we say theology, for those that the weird words, just it's it's our thinking, uh, spiritual thinking, kind of forming thoughts around God, theos mm -hmm. meaning God, logos meaning the word. So we're forming words around specific teachings, but a theology of suffering is that a new thing for you in the past few years? How would you describe that to a college student? Yeah, yeah, totally. And um, I, I love this question. I think it is so vital that we all form like a healthy biblical view of just a theology of suffering because there is just this kind of assumption that we can make that if we give our life to Jesus, life's gonna get better and easier. At least that's what I kind of experienced. I, I don't know what it's like for people who were who were Christians for their whole lives, but for me, experiencing the radical love of Yahweh in the person of Jesus, I was overwhelmed. I like mm. lost it. I I I was so just caught up in it, and I had this intense season of just joy and jubilation, and just covered in grace and love, placed in an incredible community. And I, I believed that it was going to get better. I was going to experience more like pleasure and good, like thinking and enjoy and, and stuff as I went. But then that season started to fade and it began to get harder. And so I thought for a while that I was doing something wrong. I thought like, oh man, I must not really be a Christian because I'm suffering or I'm struggling. And obviously at that point I hadn't been raised up in the word. And as I began to read, I had a buddy challenge me to read Romans. And when you get to Romans 5, it talks about how we rejoice in our sufferings. And when I came across that, I was like, what? Mm. Lord, I couldn't find a parking pot spot today. <laughs> I am glad to suffer. And I rejoice. I, oh, I, I rejoice. for the Lord. name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Oh, man. Yeah, deep stuff. Like, yes. I, even I was, you know, Shane and Shane, I was listening to a worship set and he was talking about God's nearness and goodness. And he said, and especially when you get the news of cancer, huh. what do you do? Like, how do you, yeah, it, it seems like it's, and I hear you saying it's kind of, it's it taken root in you. And now it's, I don't know if you would agree, but I think I would say as much as I hate it, yeah, I see that it, man, this is such an important tool that God uses. Right. Um, yeah. I think that, not to, sorry if I cut you off. No, no, you're like, good. I cut you off, so you, yeah, you can take it back. Yeah, there you go. Payback. That's what we're all about here. No. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but like, I have just seen in my life that suffering has created the most beautiful things. Hmm. And it's, it's crazy. It's not just like the easy, joyful things that have created beauty. It's suffering. And I've, I've just seen in life, I feel like suffering can either destroy or it can create an abundant beauty. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it creates these like deep bonds of, of trust beyond ourselves a lot of times, I feel like. Because, I don't know, I think uh, now just thinking about being a parent mm -hmm. and having a kid soon, it's like, oh my gosh, like there's going to be a little life in my hands. What am I going to do? Yeah. And I don't want them to suffer at all. Like, I'm just like, I just want to do everything to, to help them out. But recognizing that, yeah, you know, sometimes we, we have to like stub our toe to realize, okay, I need to balance a little bit differently, Yeah. you know, or I need to like 
go into a relationship and trust somebody willingly and have my trust broken and cry about it, cry to my parents about it to realize, okay, yeah, like I can't trust everybody. That's not wise. And then out of that comes so much beauty because think about that down the line. Then you can give good wisdom to other people down the line. Like, hey, we don't need, we, we're called to love everyone, right? But we don't need to trust everybody, right? And mm-hmm. so I don't know, just I feel like there is so much beauty. We hear in Romans 5, suffering produces endurance. And then endurance, when it's matured, produces character. And character, when we have character, it produces hope. Mm-hmm. Hope to go through hard things and express hope in the midst of suffering. And so it is a really, really important thing. And that's why I think sometimes the the take on revelation or these views of the future, instead of being like, all right, we're going to, Jesus is with us. He is never going to leave us and forsake us. So we can face whatever is to come with hope. Yeah, That's absent, I feel like, a lot of times. Because what we're actually looking for is some assurance that we're not going to have to suffer. And so our hope is being placed in lack of suffering rather than being placed in Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. the God-man, the one who was and is and is to come and who's going to be faithful till the end. That's where our hope should be, Mm. right? Like, as especially when we think of things that we don't understand. And so, uh, yeah. Love it. Daniel, would you say you can tell when somebody has this type of thinking and truth has taken root in them, um, and they've like, or just to put it more bluntly, they've been through it mm-hmm. and they've come out on the other side still loving Jesus? Is that evident in somebody in a believer? Absolutely. Hmm. I think you you just have this experience with somebody that has been. Um, that has allowed God to to transform them through difficulty, that they have a ton of empathy. Mm-hmm. They're extremely gracious. They're humble. And just like Carl was saying out of Romans 5, there is a character there that you don't have to ask for. <laughs> mm-hmm. They just give it because it's just mm-hmm. who they are. It's been something that's been formed from the inside out. And so... Yeah, it becomes the kind of person where it's like, wow, when I'm with this person, I feel encouraged. Mm-hmm. I feel safe. I feel like I want to share the things that I'm going through mm-hmm. because they know how to both, you know, meet me there. They don't just give platitudes. They don't just pile on. Well, just trust. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's like I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. Yeah. I'm trying. Um, but they they also they know how to bring wisdom and grace and it, it's nuanced and you don't know unless you have walked through some difficulty, right. um, and uh, and and ultimately I think I think like Carl was saying somebody who knows that Jesus is faithful, there's just this ease about the way they live their life. There's this there's this um, unanxious presence mm-hmm. that they bring into a situation because they just trust Jesus. And they know, wow, this is really hard, and I know Jesus can handle it. I don't know what that is going to look like, how it's going to play out, but you do, you do just experience that from somebody's countenance mm-hmm. as you're spending time yeah. with them. And 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 unfortunately, I mean, we all experience like the the good fruit of that, and it feels really good to to be able to have people like that in your life. But it's not easy to come by that either. It's right. it's a hard fought, hard won kind of character that Jesus produces through difficulty. Yeah. So just to kind of bring it back to the original question, and I think we'll, we'll summary, summarize it here. 
do we teach that we'll be here? I think our consensus would be that in regular tribulation in life, um, and that most people not only go through it, but it seems like there is a divine allowance, direction, mm -hmm. leading God, whatever, however he works those things mm -hmm. in the choreographing of our lives, we do think he will allow us to go through something, not because he is mad at us or... Um, but that it because it does bring character. Mm -hmm. um, the uh, the flip side of that is: are there sometimes consequences to sin that could seem like tribulation? Yeah, <laughs> for yep, sure, for sure. Um, but I think will we be here for what might be considered the great tribulation just before the Lord? Maybe, and if that is fulfilled in a certain way, I tend to lean more now as we've studied Revelation over the last few months to. This is so that every believer who reads this, um, or even those who are considering belief, will respond in worship to the Lamb and then live according to the ways of the Lamb and not of the beast, mm -hmm. and to renounce their allegiance to Babylon and to anything Babylon-esque, and to say, Lord, when it's happening to me, it, this may or may not be the Great Tribulation, but I... I'm going to trust you through it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think trusting him through it, I'm just going to say this because same kind of conversations uh, over the last few days with some friends and family, that does not mean you don't say, this is awful. <laughs> I am upset. I am frustrated. Those things are important to, like, this is this is not what um, walking with Jesus through tribulation looks like. Nope, he's good. I'm not going to say anything about it. I'm sure it's it's his plan. God works all things together. Don't do that. Like that in that verse may be absolutely true, and I do think it is, but right. I think walking with that frustration is part of authentic faith. Mm -hmm. um, I think if there's one thing we do hear about Pleasant Valley in general, um, for sure from the front, but also just in the everyday walking out of faith in Jesus is that people are real around here. There's an authenticity. Um, people said that to us as we teach, hey, Kind of sounds like you guys are actually going through this when you're teaching it, and it's exactly mm -hmm. true. <laughs> There's even as we open our mouths to talk about tribulation, we're thinking about the things that are going on in our lives and our friends and family. And so, really good question. Um, yeah, you guys keep keep sending those forward, um, and we'll try to answer them to the best of our ability. So we did uh, over the last few weeks. We've done chapters ten through thirteen, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and a lot of there's a little bit of an interlude, and there's a few interludes in Revelation because it's almost like you've been seeing these seals being busted open and just like it's all this really difficult stuff. And it's supposed to be kind of a take a breath, pause, but it seems like even in the breath, it's like, why are you still telling me hard things? <laughs> <laughs> I suppose I, was, I thought I was supposed to stop, have a moment to take a breath. And right. It's almost like, well, stand there a minute while the, you know, yeah, the heavens have stopped unleashing, and let's talk about how hard it's going to be. So, yeah. um, chapter ten and eleven, kind of this for me, the theme um, that came through because I, I preached both of those was this real the pause moment where, and it's been the same refrain over and over of we're discouraged, we're struggling, we don't want to speak anymore, we don't want to testify, and so when. It's just an interesting thing. Like I, I am in my flesh compelled by a witness that can call down fire from heaven. 
in my flesh because that would be cool. Mm-hmm. That would be cool, and you could actually get people to come and see that, and they would hear about it. And actually, remember years ago, people throwing out this term "stadium Christianity," mm-hmm. and it was like, "We're gonna be there one day, man. People are gonna be." healed in front of a live TV and there's going to be resurrection, the stadium Christianity. I'm going to be there. It's going to be awesome. And it would have been awesome, <laughs> <laughs> but I am not seeing that played out in scripture. Um, instead, Jesus is sacrificial lamb. When you were hoping when John heard, behold the lion that he was going to be this like cut armored, roaring and yet he is a slain lamb and but it's these this you know this sacrificial lamb that is therefore also leading and opening up these trumpets and these seals and so how important um well first let's just do this because i I brought this question up um how would you say our witness as a church is faring these days how are we doing being a witness in a way that's compelling and that's, you know, faithful to who Jesus is. Um, yeah, don't hold back. <laughs> what do you think, Carl? How's our witness these days? Personal? Like, are you saying our church or like the church in general? The I would say you could do both. Yeah. You could do the church at large and, yep. you know. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't know. It's so difficult because I feel like it's really easy to sit in a seat of judgment. Mm-hmm. That is just an easy thing. And I think that's oftentimes what we do as, as humans, you know, whether Christian or not. It definitely happens in modern Christianity. But we can look upon, um, like, people groups or things in general and draw broad stroke conclusions and be harsh. But then when we turn the scalpel back at ourselves, it's like, Good Lord. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I can say that for myself, I feel that there is this cultural tension to try. There's this thing called like leading by example. It's my term. I don't think anyone else has said that before. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but, you know, that's like, that's something that we've all talked about. I don't know, like if it's like Coach K or somebody like that. And there's something to be said about that, but I think sometimes we use that. I, I definitely have myself used that as a um, kind of a cop out mm-hmm. because I'm like, oh, just by the way that I do this, they should, you know, come to know the Lord. That'll be their best chance. And I recently have been convicted of that. Mm-hmm. Just like, yes, I think like my being is so important, but also I think it's important to just casually talk about Jesus. Because I think people think that there's two sides. It's either like, I'm just going to be peaceful or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that, that's fantastic. And they're just going to flock to me and they'll ask questions. That definitely happens sometimes. But then the other side is like, you just got to tell every single person, repent for your sins, blah, 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 blah. And like, yeah. there's kind of these two dynamics that we see. Um, I think that Jesus had something different in mind. Mm-hmm. than those two things. And Jesus himself lived it differently. Um, he was really in tune individually. Yeah. And so I feel like that's kind of what I've been trying to think about personally, even just like in the broad strokes church, what 
I would love to see in myself, in my brothers and sisters in Christ, is an individual-centered um, ethic mm-hmm. when it comes to living out our mission, yeah. where we don't see masses, right? We see individuals, and we love individuals. And like specifically, I've been meditating on the passage, just everyone knows it, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Mm-hmm. Love your neighbor as yourself. And I always say love others as yourself because I think that, I, for some reason, I think that's more broad and it'll, people will get that one. But the, the word neighbor has really been on my heart lately because those are the people that I rub shoulders with. Yeah. And so what does that look like to love them in a salty way? <laughs> yeah. that's, that's what I've been thinking about. So I like your phrase of not seeing people as one mass. Yeah. Um, and it's also a, that's a it's a trick metric for churches to think, well, look at all the people right. sitting in our building, yep. um, or yeah, we got a lot of people coming. Um, but I, I think the putting it back on the individual, um, Daniel, what would you? How would you give if somebody asked you what does it mean to be a witness? Um, how would you? How would you answer that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The I think the term witness, when you think about the reality of it, it's it's kind of clarifying and helpful. Yeah. Because it it really is just you are just a, you're sharing the truth of what happened. Yes. Yeah. And and so the um the way that we do that in our lives, it I think we want to we wish there was just this perfect formula. Right. That's like, well, here's you know part one, two, three, and then somebody, the heavens will open up and they'll hit their knees in with tears and they'll give their life to Jesus. And it just doesn't work like that. And even as you read the gospels, you see the way that Jesus interacted with people, mm-hmm. or you see different things happening through the book of Acts or whatever. And these people are encountering Jesus. There's like no formulas. Yeah. And it's like, wait, why did Jesus speak to this person like that? And then speak to this person like that? Or why did he do this? And then not that. And I think part of it, and even as you read in Revelation, there's this, um, there's a connection to the supernatural Mm -hmm. that gives the witness power. And for us, that feels like doing it poorly. Yeah. It feels like doing it without having a clue. That's what it looks like to to be a witness. It looks like yeah. not that I do it poorly in the sense that I'm 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 being unwise or I'm being unloving or unkind. That's not what I mean. I just mean we always are gonna do it scared. Yeah. We're always gonna do it like, all right, Lord, I don't know how this is gonna go, what this is gonna be like. I'm just gonna show up. Yeah. And I'm gonna be present in this person's life. Yeah. And and maybe I'll initiate some conversations about just again, witness the real things that are going on in my life. Hey, you know what I've been thinking about? Yeah. You know, I was, I was really having a hard time loving my wife the other day and I was just like, Lord help me. And it just felt like he really helped me to turn my attitude around. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's like, it doesn't have to be this, um, same formula every time. So anyway, I, I, I think that's, that's really what we need to look at. And cause again, when we, I think when we wrongly contextualize it like the stadium Christianity, or even we think about how is the, the witness of the church, well, how, how do we even measure that? Because I think there's an amazing witness and evangelism happening. It's just not happening in the way that we always like to measure it. And ultimately, we're responsible for our own, own 
engagement with that. And so when you see something like Elijah, who is the, who's the one that actually got to see fire come down from heaven. And he's like, sweet, this is going to solve all the problems. Everybody's going to follow God now. Yeah. And then, and then immediately he gets like a death threat. Yep. And then running. he's just depressed. And he's like, God, God, <laughs> just me. kill me. Yeah. And so it's like, you look at the, you look at the correlation of like, Oh, that would be so cool. And mm-hmm. then you look at people that actually happened to, and it's like, it didn't help. It's nope. still the same. You, we still, are so um, dependent on God's power yeah. and Him using the weak and foolish things yeah. to confound the wise. I don't have all the answers. Yeah, I man. can't. I can't reason somebody's way to the to the gospel all the way. I you know I certainly have experiences I can share and my own process that I've gone through in growing faith. But I'm ultimately I'm relying on the Holy Spirit because the blindness that people have is a spiritual blindness. Yeah. So it's going to be God's work. Mm-hmm. I also think there's a temptation to shortcut it when we don't see the results that we think should be happening in somebody's right. life. And so I even think that the current day, what I would say are, um, I'd say they're misinformed uh in a, if I'm saying it in a, the gentlest way possible, um, the things that where we want to legislate morality um, and, or where we want to force people, um, right. you know, and, and the, the easier places to talk about this are when we like we want to force prayer in school. Um, we, we're making everybody, you just have to pray. We have, you have to do this. And so then we start fighting on those fronts mm-hmm. rather than because it's harder to live it out as a person, as an individual, yep. and for the long haul to actually give, you know, ourselves to this for our whole life. You know, witness being that word that means martyr ultimately, martus. Um, and I think you know the the passage, and it's towards the end of of chapter ten when the angel has. John, eat the scroll. Um, yes. And I loved what Eugene Peterson said this, and I mentioned this in the sermon, but that witnesses must become what they say. Witnessing is not blabbing. Yep. Uh, witnessing is not, I sat down at Culver's, and I'm feeling guilty that I haven't been witnessing long enough, and I see somebody over there eating a butter burger, and you know what? I need to go interrupt and walk through the plan of salvation with right. them, and then I'll check it off. If they reject, they reject. You know, choke on that burger. <laughs> <laughs> but it is kind of what we do. We we say that's what we do. We get yeah. to this like I'm so mad. Um, historically, Martin Luther, amazing things to, and it, it I was just list, reading, listening to somebody, John Dixon. I mentioned this uh, podcast to you guys earlier, Undeceptions, amazing podcast, but. Uh, talking about that the the Reformation wasn't necessarily about hey we're starting a whole new thing. It was, can we get back yeah. to the original thing? It, they wanted it to work out yep. in the Catholic Church. They wanted to say, let's get back. So, great job. Towards the end of his life, and where you should be more mature, is when Luther is spewing oh, yeah. about Jews. Mm-hmm. Awful stuff that, honestly, like I, I was listening to, there's one document that he wrote that... Hitler used pretty much word for word mm. on what should be done. And so 
I think, and a lot of people, they were, this guy was just talking about like, how could that happen? How could he do that? One uh, theory was frustration that they had not responded to the gospel. And so we may be okay with our neighbor not responding and writing them off, but when it happens to somebody that is close to us that we love, or maybe under our own house in our in our roof under our roof mm-hmm. where we're like this is family and maybe they're not you're not so quick to to write them off and i think that's right. a little hint of what does it mean to love people um people of another country who are under maybe another type of you know government structure that maybe we don't agree with or whatever right. like all that stuff has to go to the side when it comes to witness and the gospel and the the actual message of Christ becoming a part of us. Right. So, Carl, yeah. I'll put you on the spot. Um, is witnessing only talking about what Jesus did on the cross and in the resurrection and forgiveness of sins? No. That is, that's, I know, I know, I know. Please Get, don't fire me. Carl, take the camera away from Carl. <laughs> He's banned from the podcast. Yeah. No. No, I, Why not? I, I love that, Chad, because... Um, something that you've actually helped me a lot with in my development and growth when it comes to understanding people, you've helped me see individuals. And I, I, I believe that many and most and dang near all Christians are well-intended. <laughs> I, I would think yeah. that they're well-intended and they have their heart in the right place. Rooted we, should, in we, Jesus. Should, we should quote Randy Travis right now. What's that? I hear tell the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Yes. See, this is this is what I'm getting at. But we do not realize what we're actually creating with our actions. We don't we don't really recognize what's happening in other people if we don't slow down and remember we are organic beings mm-hmm. that have a soul that have so much depth. It's not just about agreeance with a doctrine. Because I, I believe I that like that made up word. Doctrine? Agreeance. Agreeance? Yeah, that's a good one. I <laughs> Is wanna, that made up? We're going to put that in the PV um, dictionary. Let's go. Let's go. Lexion, lexion, lexicon. Yeah. Agreeance. <laughs> I'm in agreeance with your that's a word. introduction of agreeance. All right. All right. <laughs> hey, Siri. Is agreeance a word? Beep, beep. Yes. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Continue. Yeah, but it's not to an adherence <laughs> to a doctrine. Well, I'll take that. There we go. And I'll but raise yeah. you. It's so much more like we need to, to recognize that Jesus is primarily inviting us back into relationship with God, right? Yes. Jesus came and he died on the cross. Why? To wash us clean from our, sin, clean from our sins. Clee is the second oh, word man. introduced into PV's dictionary oh, today. I, I'm sorry, guys. I really hope you're able to hear this. I am my... in agreement with Clee. <laughs> I am clee. Okay, I'll start again. I have been cleed in the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> That's the name of this podcast. I am cleed. <laughs> I am a good... Okay, okay, to step back. I am cleed to dance. <laughs> Sorry, I keep interrupting. Oh, so good, But dude. it's so fun. My bad. Oh, this is one of my favorite parts of the job. Okay, ready? The, the laughs. Ready, ready, go. Okay, okay. So, Jesus died on the cross. Why? To wash us clean from our sins. There it is. Why? Because that prevents us from having perfect relationship with the Father. That's why Jesus is bringing us back into perfect relationship. We need to think about theology. We need to think about doctrine. We need to think about everything in Scripture relationally. 
because we're brought back into it. How do we spread the gospel? Relationally. Mm -hmm. God himself is love. Trinity, Daniel, I think you and I talked about this a little bit. God, the Father, is loving the Spirit and is loving the Son at all times, giving, receiving, reciprocating love. They're in eternal relationship. We're invited into that. We're inviting other people into that. Witnessing is being and becoming like Jesus, allowing God to form us into the image of his Son, which is what in 1 John? Love. Hmm. And then inviting others into love. It's a relational thing. And so I think I've just had to take a lot more care into understanding what my words and my invitations are inviting people into, because I want people to know him. What is eternal life? This is eternal life, hmm. to know Jesus Christ. No, to know God, the Father, and Jesus Christ, whom he sent. Amen. Preach it. <laughs> Clee it all Clee day it. long. So, Daniel, let's with go that. with, let's, and let's, let's be in agreement with Carl mm -hmm. on the relationship part of it. Yes. So if we're in right relationships, what starts to happen in bigger cultural, you know, problems, social problems, eventually. Um, and where I'm going is, like, is the gospel, let, let's go further. So it's it's bigger than just forgiveness. It actually is inviting into a family, into right relationship. Mm -hmm. What else is it inviting people into? What happens when people are in right relationship with God and with each other? What does that ultimately fix in society? But yeah. this is a bit of a trick question, but go there first. Okay. So... Yeah, I mean, it, you you begin to see the organic kind of grassroots nature of the gospel, hmm. that there are people who, not because they are forced to, but because they love God and genuinely love other people, hmm. they want to do things that are difficult and sacrificial and fill in gaps that aren't being filled mm -hmm. already. So you see this in the you see this in the early church like you know um Paul writes to the Ephesian church about their adoption as children of God. They took that and made that real by going out and finding abandoned children mm -hmm. and bringing them into their house. Mm -hmm. They didn't have the power to legislate, this is illegal to abandon these children. They just said, this is not okay. I need to do something about mm -hmm. this personally. I don't have maybe even the resources to do it, but I must. Yeah. I must do this. So it began to change the society over time. It wasn't a quick fix, but people began to see that there was value to these small human lives. And and so it sh the the culture began to shift and it wasn't it wasn't forced um in the beginning. It was just people who understood the gospel in a way that caused them to embody it in yeah. their real life. Okay. So uh, here's what I want to do because I think this is so good, especially as we look at um because when we read verses where God is seems to be unleashing things in Revelation mm -hmm. and like getting it done, you know, like the two witnesses, they're preaching and people that don't like it, they just consume them with fire. Mm -hmm. And we're like, that is how you get it done. Um, and so if so, we've got God inviting us into a relationship, it's love is the foundation. He is, that's the first thing he says about himself. He's, I've loved you, you know, mm. who it loves you. For a thousand generations, which is kind of the Bible's way of saying it's endless, mm -hmm. and 
it changes me and I start realizing I want to live this way. And so then somebody off to the side who maybe is, you know, in agreeance. (laughs) (laughs) Who agrees with in agreement, (laughs) in adherence to the truths of the gospel and says, I like that. Let's make it more official. And I just want to bring up what I believe is a, it's kind of a, a you're you're going to be hitting hitting a false application. Um, there's something called dominion theology, and dominion theology recognizes seven mountains in society: family, religion, education, media, entertainment, business, and government. And they believe. And there's a lot of people that would say, heck yeah, their mission is to take over the world. Isaiah 2, verse 2, now it shall come to pass in the latter days, last days, that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains. And so the seven mountain mandate is part of dominionism, and which is, you know what? We need to legislate. We need, we, if that's what God wants, let's force people. And so then... And here's where it trips us up as believers, because absolutely, amen, we're on it. We have to be those who are, we become what we say, we eat the scroll, and it says that we are a part of God's family, and every human being is made in his image, and we go out there with that message to say, I want you to know this, and it may mean I take an action that you recognize and say, that is a good, why did you do that? Why did you do that? And so the trick part is when it comes to, let's say, what we want in American democracy, and we want, we want the good. We want the good that God promises, but we say, therefore, we're not going to take this personal route of, mm. that takes too long, Carl. That takes too long to, if, if we want to change the world, that's going to take way too long. And, and people aren't going to notice that if it's one at a time. Let's force it in. Let's let's get people in government that are this. Let's have them pass laws. Let's have them make those who don't believe this yet do it anyway. What do we think about that? Either one of you. And why is it why is that a trip up? Like why is yeah. that why is that a cheap shortcut to being a witness? Well, I think it you just see with Jesus, like, you know, there were people who were like, hey, Jesus, why don't we call down fire on right. those people because they are being dumb and, you know, they don't. <clears throat> Jesus really hits back at that pretty hard. Right. Mm-hmm. And he is the one who, the people that he gets most fired up at are those who seek to wield power over others yeah. for their own personal gain. Yeah. And, and certainly I think, I think the comp complex thing for us is we do live in a democracy and so mm-hmm. we do get some say, yep. and I, th- and I think it is good to want there to be laws that are in line with God's absolutely morality that are, that that's laid out in the, in the Bible, but it's, it gets so messed up when that is what our hope is put in. Yeah. Mm. And we say, you know, the devil is winning America. It's like, uh, our our laws could be a hundred percent in line with the Bible 
and people could still go to hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. because they don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. Right. Yeah. And so ultimately, the, our question as Christians is, is both we, we, we want to hold our, uh, you know, steward the, the position God's given us as being able to participate in our mm-hmm. government to certain levels. And we have people, even in our own church, that are participating and, and leading in our local government, in different, in different areas, in our state government, different areas. Yep. And, and I praise the Lord for them, for that, the, them stepping into that stewardship. But our hope is not in our government. Right. Right. And so what, what we need to do then is to begin to see, man, that like, and especially as I began to study in, in, in Revelation 12 and 13, it's like, oh my goodness, these human means of asserting power over people mm-hmm. is 100% the beast. Yeah. It's like, that is the way of the dragon that's being described. And so it's a, it's a bit terrifying mm-hmm. to see how much that even in my own life, I can buy into that. It's that exact feeling of this takes too long. Yeah. Right. You really like if you really want to see something happen, if you really want to change the world, then you better start conquering these seven mountains or whatever. Like yeah. it's like this is where it really happens. This mm-hmm. is where the stuff, this is how it's going to change. And so it's a great deception. Yeah. And and we sometimes take that in hook, line and sinker and it's just like, "Yep, this is what I'm for. This is what I'm going to give my life to. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give my life to establishing this kind of kingdom." And Jesus says, the kingdoms then of that, this world. Yeah. Then yeah. that is going to be a temporal kingdom yeah. that is of the dragon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's 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 a yeah, I, I felt the weight of that. Yeah. So then what does it mean to pray for your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven? If it isn't that, what does mm-hmm. it mean? What do you think, Carl? <laughs> and it kind of I'm I'm let me just throw you like Back to your original thing of the individual. What are, what are we right. asking for? That's what, that's kind of where my mind was going, and um, I the way I understand it is, in my own life, I'm building a kingdom, hmm. you know, and I can either build it for myself, or I can build it for Jesus. And we all know that, like, if I'm building it for myself, it's ultimately like the kingdom of the dragon, you know, right? Um. Yeah, well, so just let's go with that a little bit on the disciples and the early church. Right. Why didn't they try to establish local (laughs) government structures and ultimately let's get Rome out of here, let's do this, or then let's take over Rome, ultimately? Like, why didn't they do that? Because of Jesus' example. Yeah. Because that's kind of what they wanted. You know, like, they, if, they especially if you read Matthew, it. especially like as you get to those like teen 20 chapters in Matthew, when they're talking with him about who's going to sit on your right hand mm. and your left. And let's ask our mom to ask Jesus, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so, um, anyway, they, they were concerned with this. They wanted this. They wanted this power. They wanted the seat of authority. And Jesus clearly showed them by example, by his death, that that is not how it's going to fly in his kingdom. Jesus is our king. We need to follow our king's example. And he was not about political power. If anything, he absolutely, every time he had a public standpoint or, or the ability to speak his mind, he absolutely bombed his political career <laughs> every single time. And intentionally, it wasn't like, oh, shoot, that was a bad message. It was, he, was, he knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. He was like, guys, it's, this is not what our hope is to be in. 
Mm-hmm. It's going to be in personal relationship. Kingdom comes in our hearts one at a time, one person at a time. Daniel, this kind of relates to a little bit of where you went Sunday. Um, you're talking about the the woman, the child and the dragon, the beast from the sea, the beast from the earth. Um, how does this connect when you think about earthly governments and what's happening on the ground and then that bigger picture of what God is doing behind the scenes with his kingdom. Like talk about that a little bit just to kind of bring people back a little bit to where we were in the text. Yeah. So you get, you see, you see kind of essentially in in one sense, you get a, a, a alternate picture of the gospel story that through God's people, he chose a people for himself through them comes Jesus. Mm. And then through Jesus enters in us, you know, everybody else that's grafted right. in to be part of God's family. And in Revelation 12, you get this picture of God really has established all of that and keeps it safe no matter how much Satan tries to mess that up. He just can't. It fails. It fails. It fails. So he then establishes these or, or calls forth these two beasts, the the sea beast that kind of represents the, the governments of the world and sort of human power and our systems of power. And then the second beast that really um, is kind of this propaganda type mm-hmm. of thing where it's like, this is this is the only way, and you better be devoted to this. And so you, you kind of see this interplay of the whole thing. And, um, and so ultimately, the, what we get when we read that is not, okay, so we really need to help God mm-hmm. establish his kingdom here on earth. Actually, it says that, no, that's been that's happened. Yeah. It ha- that has happened. So what are what are we called to do now? That we overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, and we don't love our lives even unto death. Yeah. And that and then I mean in another place it says if any if, you know if anybody's going to be taken captive, they're taken captive. If anybody dies by the sword, they're die they they're killed by the sword. This calls for the endurance of the saints. Yeah. So what is our call? It's not let's take let's take back the nation for Jesus. You know, it's yeah. like no. Our call is to to be consumed by Jesus, yeah. to be wrapped up in all that He is, to mm. be a witness, give a testimony of that, and then not to love my life, right, and to persevere through whatever happens. And to show that my this this is not my home. This is not you know my king. Like Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. And ultimately, you know, I think one of the things I didn't really get to get into just because I already was way too long. But you get into this thing like the mark of the beast. Yeah. And I mean, it's a very sensationalized thing. But with the mark of the beast, it's like people three G's for Google. Yeah, Google, Google, Google. <laughs> yeah. Six, just upside down cheese. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Google exactly. when they ask you for the chip in your arm. I got that. Is that cool? Yeah. Is that okay that I got the <laughs> chip? Okay that I got that, right? <laughs> so there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of speculation and I think I think what I've been seeing is that wow, I I understand why people would be drawn to make a conclusion like that that don't get the mark of the beast which is probably a microchip. Yeah. Because that's way easier. It's way easier to say, don't get a microchip than to say, actually, it has to do with the way that you live and your Mm -hmm. heart posture. And you, Christian, no, you don't have a microchip, but you could have the mark of the beast. Mm -hmm. You think you're following Jesus, but under your skin, you know, and and it really connects to the idea in Deuteronomy where God is telling the Israelites, hey, take my word and put it on your forehead. Yeah. Yeah. 
bind it around your hand, it's the same thing. It's not it's not a, a right. literal hmm. God saying like you actually need to tie the Bible on your head. Yeah. It's like no, it needs to be what you think about and what you do. Yeah. So it's the same thing with the mark of the beast and then this whole 666 thing. You know, the, <clears throat> there's a lot of ways that people have taken that and tried to interpret it. I think it's kind of funny. They think like Nero Caesar, if you take those letters oh, yeah. and then translate it to Hebrew and then change that to numbers, they add up. To right, be, right. It's like, it's like, okay, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. one way to, I know, yeah, 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 yeah. it's yeah. one way to interpret the Bible, I guess. Right. But if you take the different, you know, you, you see just the way that numbers, re- numbers are, are happen, happening in Revelation. 777 being a number of like total perfection, perfection yeah. 100%. Six is like failure, failure, failure. Yeah. Or almost. Like ultimate almost. failure. So an angel of light, oh. a deception. Yeah. That he looks like he looks pretty close Ooh. to seven. Yeah. But it, but it is yeah. ultimately it's failure, failure, mm. failure. And that's what you see playing out with, with Satan. It's like everything he tries yeah. fail, fail. It seems so strong. Yeah. It seems so powerful, but fail fail mm. and and so again it's it's the it's and that's why it says it's a human number right. it is the number of like human and demonic power anything that's not from the lord right like it fail ultimately it fails it's 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 a temporal kind of power yeah. that that ebbs and ebbs away yeah i think also like just hearing you talk about the number it's kind of like spiritual dna that mm-hmm. is it the DNA that is me, like, is not seen, but it's underneath. Like, yeah. if you got to the microscopic level, and so if you could see someone, who they are, what they're made of, like the, I think of the verse, out of the overflow of the heart, the yeah. mouth speaks. And so it's this, actions will follow, yep. you know, the, who this person is. Um, but yeah, I, it, so then it, it comes right back to, what does it mean not to have the mark of the beast? It's to know Christ. Mm-hmm. To have, if if I am marked and sealed by Jesus and living for Him, also I didn't. Uh, I was listening to you um, Sunday, and now that it, just hearing it again, I was thinking of. So you've got the sea, which mm-hmm. in the Bible the sea stands for chaos. <laughs> Even in Genesis, um, going across, escaping from Egypt, across the sea, um, and then the land. I, I was thinking of Babel. Then building this tower, um, which I didn't know this, and this is silly, but Babel in Hebrew is Babylon. Mm. I don't know if everybody knew that. <laughs> it's like right there at the yeah. beginning. And so God's like, no. And what do they do? We want to make a name for ourselves. We are, we're putting out our message to the world. Yeah. We're reaching as high as we can to heaven. One thing I learned about um, yesterday uh, was... You know, this is what's hard, I think, because we want to, when we think about, like, a government-type approach or a quick, like, oh, great, we've got a Christian in there. And it is great. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I remember one time listening to, uh, like, you know, we're supposed to pray for government leaders. We're not supposed to pray just for Christian government leaders. We're supposed to pray for government leaders. And so asking that God brings about justice and goodness in our country is a great thing and to pray for so we're not at all saying that so we're not about escapism to say right, like, we right. don't care what happens because yep. this is obviously just all a spiritual thing i mean if the ending is ultimately god bringing so we want to see those things move we just don't want to take shortcuts and shortcuts in history are so evident yeah. um and you look back on them you're like that's that's so bad mm-hmm. <laughs> that was so bad the crusades mm-hmm. that's oh. an easy one 
Mm-hmm. That is, that is, we not only are we represent Christ, we have the cross on our uniforms. Yep. We are heading into battle to kill the infidels, and as we go to kill people, we say, "God wills it," mm-hmm. and we're taking back the land for Christianity. And it's like, wow, if there ever was, you know, something that sometimes history is not as clean, and we're like, but this was kind of good. And so a contemporary of Luther was Calvin. And so if Luther kind of nailed the theses to the door to say, hey, let's go back, Calvin kind of built the structure that would become Protestantism, Mm -hmm. like what we're in. But Calvin also had his bad moments. And they established a theocracy in Geneva, Switzerland. Really? Yes. Not only were they like, here's the right doctrine, but they said, and we have the power of the state to make you do it. And so they had what, and I never knew this, but they came up with something. So they had elders. Uh, elders were the only ones who could preach. The scholars would train the elders. Hmm. The deacons would serve. They would take care of the poor. And then the consistory, I was like, what is the consistory? Mm-hmm. The consistory would make sure that the people follow. And they were checking church attendance, they were checking Bible reading, they were checking doctrine, and then they were enforcing, and sometimes by killing. Oh my goodness. I know, and you're like, foul ball. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just a bit outside. (laughs) Like, that is so missing the mark, and it's like, you know what? This is good, this is good, we... We found like the the essence of the kingdom. Let's follow it. Let's you know what? Let's make everybody do it. And it's like, no. Jesus's way of the lamb pushed back into this place of faithfulness to him. Um, and I, I mean, I think we would also say, like for sure, we haven't we can celebrate when God does something in a nation or government where laws are passed that reflect his truth. Right. That's good. Like mm-hmm. we can, yes, Lord, that's so good. It's, it's more just, it's almost like, like if that's candy and it's, it's such a good sweet taste when that happens. And then we're like candy for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're sick and it doesn't work. And it's like, that's a shortcut. And We're all about shortcuts, man. Four spiritual laws, Romans Road, just do it. Click, 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 come forward. You're in, golden ticket. Now let's go on to somebody else. And thus we have, I think, where we're at a place now where there's a great exodus from the church. Yeah. And actually, I'm not discouraged by that, believe it or not. Hmm. I'm, I'm encouraged because it's causing us to say, okay, whoa, where have we shortcutted? Where have we pushed this witness thing and our understanding of God's promises being unveiled in the earth? Where have we said, you know, that nation is the dragon. They are, they're obviously the ones. Let's All all come together and condemn that nation or condemn this political party. They are the evil ones and let's come together because we're not. And it's, I just, oh man, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to, I want to be, in this place of faithfulness. Now listen, as we're saying this, and some of you guys that are listening, hopefully you have bells going off, and some of them could be like um, 
your own foul balls with what we're saying. And that's okay. We welcome that. We actually want you to do that. That's where those questions are great. We It challenges us. We want to lean back in and go, okay, maybe we were a little off. And so we trust the Holy Spirit working in you. We're not the experts. We're, we're fellow tribulation people and mm-hmm. we're fellow travelers. And so we want to keep leaning into this stuff. But I don't know about you guys, but I, I actually feel more encouraged um, reading through this and thinking about where we are as a church, as a nation, as a world than I have in a long time. Mm. And it's weird because I think it's, it's come from what is a cryptic book, but also keep your eyes on Christ and you keep looking for him in there. And then it's like, yep, I'm, we're, I'm still here. I'm good. You, you hanging in there? Yep. I'm hanging in. I, I can see you. Mm-hmm. I can, I can see you through the, a little bit of the crazy here, Lord. And I, I want to, I want to keep my eyes on the lamb and learn how to do this. And I feel like we're, I don't know. I feel like we're starting to hit it. It yeah. seems, it seems encouraging. Mm-hmm. Closing thoughts at all. You don't have to, but if you have anything, anything you were thinking, you want to say? My, my only closing thought would just be, I, I just, I think for me, it, the, the biggest thing that I want to do as I continue to go through the book of revelation is to stay sensitive to what the Lord wants to show in me. Yeah. Yeah. Because the, I think a lot of, a lot of our interpretation of scripture fails if it doesn't start with me first. And so that's what I want to Eat this encourage. book, Daniel. Eat this book. Yeah, Eat man. It. I just want to encourage everybody just to just to stick <laughs> in this and like let it let it feel a bit uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. I I just yeah. like especially in these last few chapters f- have felt so convicted of my mm. dependence on human power, mm. whether that's my skills, my abilities, my whatever, or just other strategies mm. of. And it and honestly, on the other side of that, you know what there is? There's humility and humility that gives peace. Because it's like, okay, this isn't all up to me. It's up to Jesus. So just hang in there with us and know that if this some of this stuff feels uncomfortable, uh, me too. Yeah. I think um the only yeah, the only thing I have is kind of it's kind of random. But I feel like a lot of times when we're going through life just in our day and age, we have everything every need satisfied in many ways. And yet we are hungry for something. And I think a lot of times we dig into different things and I think we find a lot of satisfaction in picking a side and fighting. You know, like yeah. we, we find a lot of satisfaction in that there's momentum, there's purpose, there's whatever. The shortcut. A shortcut. Easier. But I something that the Lord has been reminding me and convicting me of lately is my my body, soul and spirit is designed to find satisfaction in relationship. And I have been so convicted in ways that I have looked for satisfaction outside of that. Like, think just even like Adam and Eve, they were in the garden, had some fruit, had mm-hmm. each other, had Jesus. Well, had, had God the Father. Jesus is probably there. They're the same, so let's skip past that. <laughs> But they, Trinity from Carl. Yes, yeah, Trinity. Here's my Trinity theology. <laughs> let's skip past that. Yeah, let's skip past that. No, but they they had each other mm. and God, and that was it. And that was good, and it was perfectly good. And I am looking to entertainment. I am looking to sensationalism, whatever. I'm even, it's just, 
we are meant to find a deeper level of satisfaction in relationship than I think many of us have scratched the surface of. Mm. And so I, I would just say like, if you're hungry, if you're searching, if you're, if you find yourself just diving into these things, like we are invited into relationship with God and into a deeper relationship with the people next to us than I think we've previously given thought to. So I'll close with this, uh, just from the last verse of Daniel's sermon. And it's just the first little phrase, but sometimes the Bible does this where it'll say something like, let him who has ears hear. Mm -hmm. And this it's, it's in the middle of trying to present this whole idea about the number 666, but it just says this, this calls for wisdom. Mm. And then it, you know, then it goes on to say, you know, let the one who has understanding, but this calls for wisdom. And I think we are constantly in that place of humbling ourselves and looking to even, I think it's Proverbs 8, maybe, um, or somewhere in there where, and maybe it's Psalm 8, one of those, it's an 8, um, but that Jesus is the personification of wisdom. He is wisdom. He is the one who can lead us through that. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so we're, we're going to keep leaning in. Hey, thanks for listening. This has been Behind the Sermon, episode seven. Seven. Peace.